Hi, and welcome to the Miseducation of the SLP. I am Ingrid, and I am one of your hosts, and I will be solo on this third cycle of seven. I feel like this is the running theme. Let's watch out and see if I'm solo on episode 28, shall we? (laughs) Um, As you know, Ayala hasn't been around for a couple of episodes. Um, She's had to handle some personal things in her life. And Ashanti was so gracious to step up, um, but she herself, you know, wasn't necessarily the originator in this space. So I know that it's really something that I feel dedicated to. So I'll keep it up as best as I can every single week, getting out there and discussing the experiences of the SLP, telling the stories, sharing the thoughts. I also want to talk about other disciplines. I also want to talk about other spaces where we can kind of consider what is healthcare, where is it going, why is it becoming this pervasive space of like a lack of appreciation for the clinical practitioner. Um, I've deviated a little bit, as some of y'all have heard um, in the previous episodes, I have become a recruiter. Shout out to my new employer for doing me so cool as of right now. I feel a whole different type of vibe than I did as a speech language pathologist. As I was talking to Ashanti earlier this evening, we kind of had a discussion about this experience of work to benefit ratio, right? I talk about cost to benefit ratio, but work to benefit ratio. So in the current role I have as a recruiter, the harder I work and achieve my goals, the more reward I get, like the more uh, money, the more celebration, the more support. It's I get more and more and more of it, the better I do. I have not seen that correlate in something like being a speech language pathologist. Working as an SLP, you put in everything, your blood, your sweat and tears. I almost see it as doubly so for some of my pediatric squad because the amount of material a pediatric SLP will create is phenomenal. I mean, so many things to make that therapy session dynamic and interesting and new and fresh. And I acknowledge that I am not that at all. (laughs) I'm a geriatric person, you know, for the majority of my career. And I am super comfortable with pulling out a photocopy from a book and modifying it and having fun with it. But I can't say I'm in a place where I'm going to sit there and make it out of nothing. I'm not a craftsperson. It's not within my cards. It's not my journey today, guys. It's not my journey to create materials. So I realized for school-aged or pediatric or clinic or, you know, these SLPs that are really working in these different environments, they put in a lot of energy and work and time and effort. And there is no reimbursement for that. They just do that out of the goodness of their hearts. And I keep thinking to myself, I'm rewarded for working hard. 
I wonder what would happen to SLPs if they were rewarded for working hard and if they got feedback for for the things that they did the above and beyond and what that would create. What would that create in society to give a hardworking person more just because of the fact that they worked harder than their peers? This is the concept that most people have considered the American dream to be. We've all wanted that, in fact. Um, my corporate position gives me that type of perspective in ways that I had not experienced in my speech language pathology career. Um, and I think there would be a different outcome to our society if we did more to pay attention to the fact that if you reward labor with money, you'll get more labor, you'll get more loyalty, you'll get more, um, I don't know, just passion. You'll get more if you just invest, essentially. But I'm trying to figure out when Business America decided that people weren't worth investing in. And if it had always been the case and we just never knew. Or if because the labor force was a majority uh, people that were not valued or considered people, if society just not got, it never got over the fact that the labor force deserved respect. Um, during segregation, white people labored. Uh, they probably labored in similar ways to black people uh, or Hispanic people or Native American people during that time, similar ways, but with much more respect and dignity um, because it was a segregated time and it's just known that there were discrepancies in how things played out. But I just kind of consider there was more respect for labor when the labor was done by people that were similar to you, that were your neighbors. And things just haven't necessarily really improved in the labor force since then. So like desegregation was signed 1964. Um, 14 years later, when we looked at, you know, the salary of the CEO and labor, they were at a place in 1978 that seemed relatively reasonable. And the difference in progress, meaning for reducing the respect and reimbursement for hard labor workers um, with appropriate pay, it reduced in proportion to CEOs a significant amount. So the overseers, the CEOs, their increase in their income went up over 940%. Um, I don't even know what it is right now. I'm sure it's even more than that at this point with everything that has gone on with COVID and the reimbursements to the labor force, which was only like 12%. You had a 12% growth in the labor force and then a 940% increase in the overseers, which were the CEOs. 
And that wasn't always society. That wasn't how it operated. Um, and I think in this space as an employee and in an opportunity that I can actually work hard for more money and be rewarded for working hard uh, with raises and uh, titles and um, bonuses and support and celebration of the people around you, it makes a huge difference in interest to execute the work. Like you feel a little bit more motivated. You feel like people want you to succeed. People can assume that they want you to succeed for the opportunity of lining pockets and it's a corporate thing and all of that. And they very well may be correct in that, but so is healthcare. Healthcare is that exactly. It's that so much so they don't even pretend. They've ripped off the Band-Aid. They don't even want to make you feel good through it all. They're just like, yeah, just take it all. And I feel like the healthcare system genuinely takes away from the value of the people that go out every day to work in it to produce the best quality care that they can for patients because it's so driven by profit, money, and everything. So if I'm in an environment that might be shaped in the same way that healthcare is, and is correlative in that component, but has a little compassion for its employees to the point where they're like, yeah, we'll pay for holidays. Yeah, we wanna make sure you take your time off. Yeah, we wanna give you bonuses if you work extra hard. Like that is just phenomenal. And I think everyone deserves that um, fully. I think about being a speech language pathologist a lot because I have to think about letting it go. I have to think about never practicing again. What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for the trajectory of what I want to accomplish? What does it look like to be an SLP without her C's or without a license anywhere to practice? What does it look like to be, you know, a professional in this area that has so much knowledge, but no place to call home? What does that look like? And that's what happens when I think about divorce. I think about divorce like this, where women after being married and dedicated to their spouses for so long, and they're just thinking to themselves, I was everything to him and he was everything to me. And now what do we do? And we're just a deer in headlights in this new situation that we never planned on, that we never thought would be real. Now what? I have somehow managed to find a really great boyfriend who seems to be treating me well <laughs> in this like side relationship, I guess. I don't know. That's what I would call being a recruiter. It's this like side gig of he's so much fun. He's such a great person, right? And unlike my husband, my career as a speech language pathologist that kind of made me feel like shit. 
it made me feel like shit. And I see it every time I go on my social media because I am still a speech language pathologist. And when I go to all of these platforms like SLP Uncensored or um, Sisters or Black SLPs or just Florida Med SLPs, just any of these platforms, you can inevitably find somebody that's just complaining about the job burnt out, frustrated, upset, new or old. It's across the entire career. You will find somebody complaining about it. And it's not an unreasonable complaint. It's actually a very reasonable complaint. It's actually something that makes complete sense because it's either about the size of the caseload where I'm listening to an SLP talk about how she has 80-something people on her school caseload, and because she has a few holes in her schedule, they want to plug in more kids, and she's just flabbergasted as to what to do there to another situation where I'm reading about an SLP that is listening to a coworker talk about how students are like her because she goes to work based on reinforcement of getting a paycheck. They deserve to earn things because they are coming to school to work. And I find this to be so interesting that SLPs have this range of lack of like passion or enjoyment of their jobs because it's so valid. They should feel that because they don't have any time to be individualistic and thoughtful and considerate and present for every single person they deal with. Everything is so money, money, money focused. The idea of changing it crosses my mind every single day. It would require such a huge revolution. It would require such a level of dignity, clarity, and resistance focused resistance because what the business model is saying to me in all facets, including schools and private clinics, all over, there's a level of deprivation. Like there's not enough SLPs. There just aren't. There are places that are drowning to have them. They need them so much and there's just not enough. And yet at the same time, We don't have any value because we will adjust and make speech therapy certificates for people that are teachers with associates or bachelor's degree and say, you can do speech therapy. That gets allowed in some states. Um, The fact is that, you know, the difference with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in the school system is very minimal or very minimally respected because you'll have experiences like the one Ashanti had where she was making less than her SLPA because of the lack of value or the lack of calculation of hours needed. And they just offered her what maybe an SLP was making doing half of the work that Ashanti was doing. I don't know. All I know is that there's just not enough respect happening And we keep jumping ship, shifting energy, 
modifying, which is incredibly important for self-preservation. But to make things change requires collectives. It requires people connecting with each other and saying, this is what we can do, what I'm willing to do. And me and Ayala talked about it in one of the episodes in the past, that there's a space of complaint for a lot of SLPs. I'll complain until the high heavens. I will let the internet know how in fire I am. And I am just going to share all of this. But when I look at what ends up coming of that, it really is a satisfaction for just being able to express it in a safe place. And I really wondered to myself, if is that really what SLPs need most? It's just a safe place to be able to, like, complain. I'm starting to begin begin to believe that that's it. It isn't really about changing anything, making anything better. And if you do to the capacity of what you're able to do in your own space, but not necessarily with networking in the rebellious spaces that you possibly can and saying, let us all join together. And that's the overall scope I see. Um, organization, collective, uh, collective energy, dialogues with like-minded individuals, those are the ways that society in this country gets shifted. And I think we're all looking for that because we want to be able to provide better care with less patients. It's not conducive the way that we're doing care right now in any area of speech pathology. It's just tough. And unless you're in a controlled environment where you're dealing with a ethical and appropriate speech language pathologist, you're roughing it. You're roughing it out there in these streets. It's completely gotten away from us in some spaces more than others. Florida happens to be incredibly comfortably corrupt. <laughs> The reason we're like the ugly stepchild of memes and gifts and situations where it's like only down in Florida, you are not lying. It's so true. <laughs> I don't know. I think if a revolution or if a change can occur, we do require more than just internet presence of the problems. But that means taking ownership and risking certain things. I don't think SLPs are comfortable with rocking the boat. I don't think SLPs are comfortable with standing their ground. And I don't think SLPs are comfortable with admitting they're wrong. And because of all those things, I think we're kind of in a position where 
we skirt around circumstances that don't allow anyone to be able to prove us wrong because we have enough ambiguity to kind of be settled in what makes sense. Um, And the rest, it's just a tricky thing to navigate. I want SLPs to be great. I do think it's going to require a little bit of heel digging. And I do think that it's unfair what has happened to this profession, what has happened to people that love it and have made so many beautiful spaces of growth in it. And within their realm have prestige and with people that need speech pathology services and all that. But I do think that there could be an even grander space of presence out there, things that we're accomplishing that make this career almost sensational and interesting to the masses. I suspect there are some business owners that are navigated navigating themselves and their businesses in that direction because keeping it within the speech pathology uh, environment, it gets sketchy. There's a lot of judgment in it and it's a little bit scary how uh, the overall view is going to be perceived. But we're super dynamic and should be able to gain and and when we do things to gain, have rewards from it. There's no reason why SLPs should get one to 3% raises. You learn and grow and, and, and develop leaps and bounds more than one to 3%. That's in the state of Florida, by the way. I don't know if that's general, but it's shit like that that makes me go, what makes an SLP valuable? at $25 an hour, but Kim Kardashian a billionaire. Let's really think about it. And the idea that we're supposed to be gratified by the very fact that we help somebody and that should just be enough. Sir, madam, no. Everybody deserves CEO pay that works CEO hard. And sometimes the people that work the hardest aren't the CEOs. They're the garbage men or the CNA in a hospital or a you know janitor in a school hallway. The person who works the hardest deserves the opportunity to gain more for himself, for herself, for themselves. They need to gain what they can in a lifetime to give to their next generation. Everyone deserves that. And when you prevent people from being able to accomplish that because you don't pay livable wages 
or you limit the growth of, of a beautiful career, for example, speech language pathology, that actually plummeted after the 90s in terms of salary and then has slowly not recovered. I mean, it's really awful how much the SLP salary went from being fantastic to being a question mark of growth. And the frustration in that is just beyond me. Do we really only value entertainment? Good investing? Like, are we separated from the upper echelon to such a degree that our laugh, our smile, and our quality and comfort in life just doesn't fucking matter to them? To the point where we can have a livable wage? Is that the country I live in? Is that reflected in the way that speech-language pathologists work on doing their jobs? Do they just not give a fuck about what their patient centers their life on, centers their choices on, centers their whole being with? That's what your student or your patient does. They let you know what's important to them. The decision to be centered in that and not in your own point of view, that is to me a grand and beautiful type of thing. But it doesn't happen often. I hope I gave you guys some interesting food for thought. You can reach us at miseducatedslp at gmail.com. You can DM us. DM us at the Miseducated SLP on IG, or you can hit up our page, the Miseducated SLP, the Miseducation of the SLP podcast. Ah, I stumbled over every single one. (laughs) Sounds like an eager thing to do. Anyway, guys, I hope you appreciated my ramblings, and we'll talk again soon. Have a good day. Bye.